Welcome, everybody. It's time for another episode of Driven by Design. The only show that shows you the future of automotive technology and design. One conversation at a time. With our driven designer, Brian Thompson. Hey, Brian. Hello, hello, hello. Hi, everybody. (laughs) How are you? So today, you've got a match because you love to talk about the future. You live in the future. You're designing cars that we're not going to see for five, six, seven years. And uh, by the time it arrives, you're like, oh, that's old news to you. You've been living with it for five, six, seven years. Here's another futurist on the thing. Uh, I'll, I'll let you guys uh, introduce each other and take it from here. Yeah, this is really exciting day uh, and quite an honor. Let's reveal the guest. <laughs> okay, Toby, tell us who you are and what uh, what your secret is. And I got a secret here. All right, Paul and Brian, it's great to be on your show. My name is Toby Corey. Thank you. Uh, and uh, I've got quite a checkered past. Uh, have been spent most of my career in high tech out here in Silicon Valley. Had the opportunity to create my own uh, company, which went on to be, become the largest web developer company back when the internet was born in the mid 1990s. We grew it to a billion in revenue, 5,000 employees operating in 17 countries around the world, doing some of the most leading internet projects for half the Fortune 250, the likes of Ford Motor Company and Harley-Davidson and Amgen and Levi Strauss, and the list goes on and on, uh, go through a successful IPO, and then uh, had a chance to retire early. And being a restless soul, I was really bored, and I joined a nonprofit board of directors with the infamous Dr. Richard Leakey, who wrote a book in the early 90s called The Sixth Extinction. Unfortunately, uh, what he had predicted is coming true in full color, and um, that uh, we're looking at a sixth extinction that's being driven by human and man-made activity. That inspired me to start thinking about this challenge, and at that time, I had the opportunity to join SolarCity as their chief revenue officer, uh, go through a second IPO, and then uh, had a chance to retire again, and then got a call to go back as, as uh, Solar City was in discussions with Tesla, and uh, went on to join that and was running the Tesla Energy Group. And um, lastly, I'm going on my 10th year teaching entrepreneurship at Stanford University. And um, man, I am uh, get exposed to lots of really creative thinking. Yeah, it's, it's, quite, a, it's quite a resume, and it's, it's really, like I said, an honor to have you on. A fellow futurist... <laughs> In, in the largest possible scale. One of the first questions that would come to my mind, I think about people would be interested in hearing, is where are we going in terms of what is it going to look like for people driving uh, in the future? Um, and, and, you know, we both live in a world where most of what we do is confidential. But, and that have, typically has to do with the product itself. But there are shared ideas about what we're doing. Are we going towards singularity, as you say? Or what is the future going to look like for us with autonomy and, and all of this changing way that we consume mobility? <laughs> God, that's a fascinating question. So let me look into my crystal ball a little bit. But let me also give yeah. some context. So it's been, a, it's been amazing working at Tesla. Elon Musk is, I, I think, the greatest entrepreneur in at least 100 years, if not longer. Um, he is a force of nature. His ability to think really, really big is second to none. Mm-hmm. His ability to create a culture um, of extraordinary um, challenges that you don't think you could ever meet that goal, and by hook or crook, you end up doing it. 
and then this ability to really focus and execute on the most important aspects of the business. And although it sound really simple, in practice, it's, it's quite hard to do, to do, especially do juggle yeah. all those three balls at once. And Elon just has that ability to do that. So he is, as you know, he's transforming the automotive industry. No one thought he could do it. And he's done that by transforming the driving experience. And his R&D lab is so far in front of anything out there it's going to be a, a wild, wild future. So that's one aspect of that. I do think that, you know, level five autonomous driving is going to be here in our lifetime in the very, very near future. But I think that's just one piece of the puzzle. I think that mm-hmm. you know, what he's doing with the boring company is going to have some extraordinary benefits. And most recently, one of our most exciting startups in Santa Cruz, California, is Joby Aviation. They just raised, I think, $590 million dollars. They're based in a little town right outside Santa Cruz called Bonnie Dune, which has the world-famous Alien Winery. But uh, Joe Ben was also a Stanford engineer, a successful entrepreneur, and he's basically building electric helicopters. Think about the opportunity to go from Santa Cruz to San Francisco in 12 minutes. I don't think there's going to be a a one-size-fits-all. I do think Mm -hmm. that Tesla's showing where it's going to be. It's reflected in its stock price today. Uh, I think it's so far out in front in that sector. Um, and I think that um, with AI emerging and autonomous driving and I think other formats, we're going to have kind of a bit of an a la carte where the consumer mm-hmm. gets the, the best of everything. No, I was going to ask you when you, you mentioned the helicopters, is do, when you say helicopters, so our viewers understand, are you thinking vertical takeoff drones or uh, helicopters in the traditional sense of a helicopter with a tail kind of situation? Yeah, well, what they're working on, initially, that will be autonomous as well. So the first step mm-hmm. is, will be pilot-driven. I've had the opportunity to go to that facility. It's in a top-secret area in Bonnie Dune. It's actually in a quarry and where they've got, they're building these, uh, these birds, as they say. They strap them down, and um, they all have a relationship with uh, a provider where they can land and take off. And uh, I, I think it won't be long before that will be an autonomous mode of transportation as well. Uh, there's obviously lots of yeah. challenges with the FAA certifying the technology, but it, it's moving faster than anyone thought. It really is, and it's 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 nice that you bring up the dimensionality of mobility. Uh, is what I think about when you when you're um, describing this future. You know, typically when people think of the future of driving, if you will, or moving around, it's it's in a car or some sort of flying car that the Jetsons have, and and really what I what I'm finding is that the uh, the dimensionality of the axis of dimensionality is changing, and that people, cars are able to drive themselves, but there's also uh, the ability to take to the skies. A lot of the interiors I've been working on are for vertical takeoff helicopters, and what are the challenges of designing an interior for people to feel comfortable without any sort of pilot in the space? <laughs> because it's a very different interior than what you would put <laughs> in an airplane or uh, a helicopter in the traditional sense. And that's why I asked if, if uh, the helicopters are, if you're referring to, you know, traditional helicopters are more like something that's going to provide transportation without a pilot. And it sounds like there's a bit of both there. Yeah, I think it's going to start out with a pilot, but it will quickly um, move to non-pilot, completely autonomous. The form factor is truly stunning. Uh, I'm excited for what Joe Ben's been able to do, the kind of money he's been able to raise, the kind of progress that he's been able to make. And I think even going down to the simplest format, with uh, electric bikes and scooters and it's gonna, so I think you're gonna find based on, on kind of use case and consumer need, I think you're gonna find a best of breed set of a la carte solutions that are driving a much more sustainable, you know, much more um, 
ecologically focused form factor that is going to, you know, completely reinvent and disrupt the, the way we think about transportation today. And let, let's break that down a little bit for people. So first, ecologically formed factor, factor and also level five autonomous, just for our, our, our listeners that don't know. So autonomy is breaking into five levels. Level one is about, you know, what you have on your ABS brakes and things like that the car does on its own to help you. Level five, level three is probably where cars are typically right now that, that can drive themselves, but they have a steering wheel. Level five is meaning they fully are autonomous. They don't have any steering wheel whatsoever. They were they were designed post steering wheel. Uh, help people understand what you mean by the form factor. Um, break that down into like a visual statement, if you can, so people can picture it. Yeah. So I think the the easiest first step is just the kind of what an automobile looks like today, right? So I know with my Tesla at level three, uh, I most recently took a trip to Santa Barbara from Santa Cruz. And I think I touched my steering wheel three times. A really great ride. I uh, got to relax. So although cruise control is kind of nice, but having it drive itself and we can set the variable between cars and put your blinker on, it knows if it can safely change that. But to touch your wheel literally three times going from Santa Cruz to Santa Barbara was, was quite an extraordinary experience. But so I think kind of starting out with a format that we're very comfortable with and understand, uh, I also have the opportunity to... Uh, get to peek under the hood a little bit with another startup up, up here in Silicon Valley uh, called Zook. Yeah. That has also raised an extraordinary amount uh, that doesn't yep, have yep. a steering wheel whatsoever, but has kind of a format of an axle and four wheels and kind of a cabin. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to move to, you know, much more sort of luxurious state um, in that way. Um, and I think it's going to be, I, I think the experience and the cost are what's really going to, to uh, anoint who the new leaders are going to be. And that's where, you know, I give Elon a really, and Tesla a great early lead and uh, this the extraordinary engineering talent that he has. But so from that factor standpoint, I think that whether it's getting into a hyperloop, whether it's getting into something that's running in, the, in a boring tunnel, whether it's a going down to your safe way and taking the elevator up and getting into an autonomous helicopter or jumping mm-hmm. on some type of uh, scooter or other sort of personal mobile device, I think you're going to you're going to see some really interesting new form factors that based on where you're at, where you're going to have an intelligence built into that mobile app that already knows it can serve up the right form factor at the right cost at the right time. It will all be self-serve. It will be there for you. The intelligence will be built in the app. And I think that's the kind of world that is not too far away. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I think one way to help people understand it um, uh, you know, I, I led the design team for Zooks uh, for a, a while, a couple of years ago, for about, a, let's say, about a year, just in the early phases of developing that. And, you know, and, and so we both know what we can't give away. But what I think we can talk about in terms of a, uh, in a, in a picture that people can understand what this is going to look like is conversations had face-to-face. Uh, it's very strange that we ride in cars where we don't face each other. The, the only people that do that, as I've said on the show, are people uh, on television in a, in a telenovela so, so both can face the camera, you know, and in cars. You have a person facing away from you. And, and when people ask me about, well, you know, what's self-driving cars going to be like? Is it scary? And I, and I look at them and I say, see how you can see my face in this conversation and we're having a natural face-to-face conversation? That's what the future looks like. The future looks like talking and communicating to each other in mobility, in a way that we just can't in cars because of the the, the architecture that's required when you need someone to drive. <laughs> and maybe you can elaborate on that. 
Yeah, I think you're, I mean, here's the simplest way to think about this, right? So when you get on an airplane, the majority of that flight is on autopilot. It's pretty autonomous. Uh, pilots are napping and you're in a cabin. Maybe you're traveling with some folks, you're interacting. Same thing with taking a train today. A lot of that is also kind of autonomous. We're just going to really think about it as expanding the boundaries where we're able to understand more spatial aspects and physics and, and incorporate this technology where that just gets extended. And, and I agree in having a much more sort of social experience that I, I think it, it delivers up this personalized experience for you. The, the idea of being able to be more social and connect in a way where you take your hands off the phone and you take your eyes out of the phone, I, I think it's a, it's a bit of a, it's a, it's a bit of a lost generation for the millennials that have had that have been raised this way because I, I think the future is going to be much less about being in your phone and, and much more about connecting, facing each other, and not just in automotive, the fact that the, you know you sit in cars where you face each other, but also that the you know the technology is going to move out of a device into a space that's more deconstructed and more personal, communicative. But I I was going to ask if we could shift gears here for a minute um, because you've had such a unique opportunity in your career to work for a true visionary, and I'm, I'm talking about, uh, you know, obviously you've worked for many visionaries, and you yourself are quite a visionary, but to work specifically for Elon Musk, a lot of this podcast is about people who've done something unusual, taken a risk, been afraid, and then succeeded at, at taking that risk. And I, and I think of Elon Musk, you know, certainly when people ask me who my like, largest influences are, I always say Elon Musk and Dolly Parton, right, because <laughs> both of them have uh, really made themselves and they've changed their industry by and, and they've put such an interesting message into the world of possibility and i've never met either of those people but you have and i well actually Stelly parton lives two doors down from me so i've walked my dog in front of her but i've never had a conversation with her because i try to respect her privacy but i'd love for you to tell our listeners more about not so much uh the companies that elon's doing and stuff, but what is it like to to work with a visionary when you go to work in the morning, you know, on, on a typical Wednesday and you're there, wh what do you absorb from this person by being around him? Yeah, he is truly a, a force of nature, an enigma, and I, I've never met anyone like him on this planet. I, I think I, I mentioned that, you know, at Tesla, you know, excellence is, is barely a passing grade. So it challenges you to oh, like step that. your game up in the most extraordinary and significant way and he prides himself on rewarding truly creative thinking. And it's that kind of environment in there. In the same token, the, the challenges that you have there are so extraordinary. You look at your goals, and you look at what you need to accomplish there, and you're like, there's no effing way I'm going to be able to do this. And you <laughs> find a way. He's such an inspiration because he leads by example. And we looked at, like, wow, what's the problem going on here? So my manufacturing, he literally slept on the floor of the manufacturing plant. He talked to the people mm. that were sitting on there that were pressing aluminum and that were, you know, uh, uh, screwing in seats, like, and understood that down at, at a first principle level. And when you have someone who truly is fearless, who's truly a visionary, and really leads by example and rewards creative thinking, I um, would rather have mm -hmm. you make a mistake thinking creatively than kind of do the same old boring thing that other companies are doing. So there's never, I've never worked at a company like that. I've never worked for a, a leader like that. And it's, it's so inspiring. It's challenging at times, and it's incredibly difficult. 
but it's so inspiring that I, I don't think you can get that kind of experience either going to Stanford or reading a textbook. It truly is a, uh, he, he's just a force of nature. And, uh, you know, the, the inspiration, knowing that you're doing something that's so important for future generations to come, drives you into finding ways to excel and exceed beyond your wildest dreams and your, and your wildest expectations. You sort of look at Elon, who's, you know, working 90 hours a week. And, mm -hmm. you're, you know, if you could work 70 or 75, that's amazing. And still he's outpacing you. He's outthinking you. Yeah. And that drives and that yeah. continues to, you know, we all know that we maybe are capable of, of, of taking advantage of maybe 10% of our brain. Uh, maybe Elon mm -hmm. is 50% of his brain. And it really stretches <laughs> you intellectually in ways that um, you never thought possible. Yeah, and I, I really like what you said about he'd rather you be creative and make a mistake than do the same old thing or be safe. Um, there's something in that when you work for somebody who gives you that freedom to fail, and, and you know, you, you have to perform, but to know you have that freedom to try something liberates something in the people. And, and it would be one thing if, the, if he wasn't holding you to a high standard, but to be holding you to that high standard but also giving you that freedom, that's a really magic environment to, to work in. Do you feel that having worked for while working for him, do you feel things in yourself changing, your, your outlook changing? Oh, absolutely. And I, and I think to even expound on that more, because with that, with that kind of creative freedom also comes a deep responsibility, where if you're in a meeting with him and, and lots of uh, mid-level and low-level people are, it's game time. You better bring your A game. You better have done your research. You better have your facts straight. You better know your numbers inside out backwards, because he knows all that. So it challenges you to, to really focus on, you know, bringing the most intellectual, highest horsepower that you can so that, uh, as, as um, Paul was saying, he was telling a story of how one of his buddies was installing a sprinkler system, and Elon wanted to know how that thing worked inside out, backwards, and forwards, because he always wants to learn. So if he's sitting in there, he's regurgitating stuff he already knows, he's going to get bored really, really fast, and that meeting is not going to yeah. go that well. So right. uh, bringing something to the table that is a unique insight, something different, something able to glean, and, and having that, that ability to have that thought pattern to think outside that box and explore those boundaries and explore, you know, kind of getting out in front of your skis is, is the success formula to be able to perform there. And I will tell you unequivocally that, you know, I absolutely think differently after having worked there. You come out with a much bigger, uh, it's like a, going through an expansion and exploring uh, areas that you never thought possible. And when you see someone that is operating at that level that you've never experienced before in your life in any educational institution or the company that you've worked with, and you know, I've gotten some of that as I, you know, I'm a big fan of, of Ram Dass and Terrence McKenna and others, and they're so inspiring to, to read about these philosophers and the extraordinary advancements mm -hmm. in quantum mechanics. But to be, instead of reading that, to work with someone there that, that's doing that, it, it's magic. It is magic, um, and I, I want to give us some time to allow you to talk about um, your philosophy of sort of reprogramming the way you see the world. As a segue to that, I, you know, a lot of our listeners are very visual people, so I've had on the, the, the show um, Tom Matano, who was my mentor. He created the Mazda Miata RX-7, and the, the way he taught me car design is exactly what you're talking about. Um, you said you, you have the freedom to, to, to fail, if you will, but you are so inspired to bring your A game because you are expected to deliver. And that's what I always felt about Tom is that he made me a better designer, not because I was afraid of him or I was gonna have some sort of repercussion for not performing, but because I could never in my wildest dreams be as good as he is. You know, he just, 
he just exuded the talent and you want to bring your A game for somebody like that that really walks the walk uh tom doesn't do a lot of talking he does a lot of observing and and encouraging and and i just i love that environment and i think um a lot of our listeners will relate to what you're talking about but let's do pass into um you know a bit more about you because uh, I want to give us some time and give you some time to talk about this philosophy. It's fascinating to me. Do you, do you mind sort of giving a synopsis of, of what you mean by reprogramming the, the way? Re- reprogramming. <laughs> yeah. So let me. Uh, so before I jump into that, let me just expound real quickly on the concept we were just talking about. Because I think I can, for those folks, uh, your listeners that have played sports, and I wrestled in college. Uh, I was crazy enough to actually become good friends with Frank Shamrock, who was a uh, four-time UFC world champion. I started doing mixed martial arts and cage fighting. I'm 58 now at 46 years old, so anything's possible in your life. But I, I remember wrestling and, and, and being coached by some of the greatest coaches. And when you, you're practicing at the highest level and you go out there and you compete, and you, whether you win or lose and you left it all out there on the mat, that's what yeah. working at Tesla is like. You leave it all on the mat, whether it's a basketball game or a wrestling match or a football game, and you have that feeling where you're in flow and like, I left everything out there. I prepared so well for this. That's just an extraordinary feel. I'm kind of getting goosebumps even describing it to you right now, but that's probably sort of the best analogy for the, your sports listeners out there. So, okay, let me let me transition because as um, as I was talking with Paul, I kind of you know, coming through that experience, sort of look at the world through two sets of lens. So one is what I call the tactical lens, which is like, hey man, we all you know know that government is fairly corrupt, is bought and paid for, but you still got to vote. A lot of the paradigms that we are um, existing today need to be either completely reformatted, thrown out, reprogrammed, innovated, disrupted. So those are things that we have to do. We're playing on the old rules, and we're, we're, we easily become conformists in what I call enter the zombie world, where our neuroplasticity begins to erode. Uh, we all basically have the same I thoughts, the same enter actions, the, don't and the same enter the zombie world. Okay, this is great. Yeah, and I've broken that down, and I've got lots of data. Uh, I don't have the time on your show to do that, but I'll talk a little bit about that when I'm in Orange County, that uh, 99.9% of the world flows into a, you know, you get stamped in this society, you become a zombie, you make a lot of money for a bunch of other people, you're very unfulfilled, you're bored with your life, you, you lack meaning, and the, the structures that we exist in benefit very few. The top, you know, 1%, even 10%, have created so much wealth for themselves over the last uh, generation while the middle class and the lower class suffer. So aside from all of that, there's then the other part of lens that I look at the world, which is much more strategically. And having going on my 10th year teaching at Stanford right now, which is really a portal into the future, to see how an 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old, very intelligent person is thinking about the world, and they are a generation that I have never seen before and are thinking very differently the way that the kind of impact they want to have on the world, the types of products they'll buy, the products they won't buy, the kind of people they want to become, the kind of people they don't want to become, the companies they will work for, the companies they won't work for. And I think part of that has to do with what I would, you know, categorize as probably the greatest innovation in over the last hundred years, which is the Internet. The Internet represents the mind of humanity. And when I was going to school, you know, I, to do a book report, I would go to the library and pull Britannic Encyclopedia and plagiarize on the Ottoman Empire or something. The, <laughs> the amount of knowledge that you can acquire today in the palm of your hand is unprecedented right now. So I think that they are operating at a very different level, and, and I, I can't quite explain it, but they also have a very different social perspective. When I was growing up in the 80s, it was sort of the wolf of Wall Street, I'm getting mine, how much 
material right. stuff can I accumulate in my life? How many homes do I have? Do I have a private jet? Uh, am I jet setting an error to a, a, a deep understanding of like materialistic stuff is temporary. And this existence that we have in this human body has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and you don't take anything with you. So all you leave is your soul, right? You leave that, what indelible mark do you want to leave? And they, they're having these very deep philosophical thinking that was way beyond my thinking when I was 21. You know, when I was going to college, it was like, hey, man, how much booze can I drink and how much drugs can I do and how many women can I meet? And that was pretty much it. Um, so we've seen a 180-degree change right now. So I start to sort of think about that and say, okay, of these, this new generation and being able to understand how they're thinking about the world, then spending a lot more time and uh, exploring things that I hated in school, like philosophy and, and physics, particularly quantum mechanics, and working with some of the greatest business leaders in the world, and kind of what does that look like? And I've come up with what I call just the start of a conversation in a brand called Zentrepreneur Life. So just put a Z in front of entrepreneur, um, and it represents okay. today what I just call the start, Life. Of a converse, uh, the start of a conversation. I don't claim to be any great philosopher or uh, anything extraordinary here other than my mission and focus strategically is how do I inspire more creativity for greater good? That's the simplest way that I could put that. We are all born. One of the things that makes our species so unique is this infinite ability to create. And then when you get thrown into planet Earth and you become a zombie, you lose all of that. Your neuroplasticity tops out at about seven or eight years old. Then you go into mm -hmm. school. You're, you, we have these things called labels and language, and we end up becoming literally a zombie. And it's these rare yeah. people like Elon Musk and Ram Dass and Terrence McKenna and others that break that mold. I think we're at a moment in time that is a Greek word for it called the kairos, which is a unique moment in time where there's a great opportunity exists where I definitely see an extraordinary movement that's coming. So uh, to simplify it, I've got this framework that I've been working on uh, that we're going to explore at my TEDx talk that has three dimensions to it. So along the x-axis, you have put a label on there of consciousness. And across the y-axis, label that wisdom. And then across the z-axis, label that action. If you're thinking about that, how are you expanding on a conscious level? And we live in the most hurried, unfocused, cluttered, materialistic time in human history. And your brain mm -hmm. operates at, at a beta wave frequency, which is you have no time for anything. You're flooded. And when you're able to, to disconnect from that and either get into an alpha or even better, a gamma or a samadhi state, that's when the world starts to open up. Matter of fact, Jeff Bezos, when he talks about getting creative, he takes himself down to his six-year-old self. And if you ever mm -hmm. spend time with a child, I've got a grandson now that's two, and I look into his eyes and, like, I just see wonderment. I see amazement. I see no boundaries. Yeah. And when you become yeah, a zombie, no. there are boundaries, and your neuroplasticity begins. So something scientifically happens to you, and you give away all this great power. And there's going to be an mm -hmm. opportunity to explore how you can reprogram you and to power. truly find your true self. Great. Exactly. So you start thinking about on that conscious level and all the infinite possibilities that exist there. And then from a wisdom and knowledge standpoint, what are you reading? Who are you interacting with? How are you expanding along that dimension? Or are you literally uh, falling into an echo chamber? Or I just say staying in the same swim lane. And social media perpetuates that. Matter of fact, if you go on LinkedIn, 
and you start to like uh, request LinkedIn connection with people that you don't know, uh, you're actually going to mm -hmm. get a message from LinkedIn, and I actually have this, that says, hey, do you really know this person, Toby? Or yeah. if you do it too many times right. and people click they don't know you, you're going to get a warning from LinkedIn. So they want to keep you yeah. in the same swim lane. Facebook and Twitter, mm -hmm. they all work the same way. How are you expanding yeah. if you literally are in the same swim lane? And right? you're only so, connecting with the same so, people. <laughs> exactly. Sure, you know. So there, exactly. Was, there was a study done back, I think, around 2011, 2012, in conjunction with Forbes magazine and some data scientists and Steve Jobs. And they wanted to find what was the one single ingredient that made people super successful and super happy in life. And it turns out it's this concept called open networks, where you connect with very diverse people with very diverse thinking and the greatest example of that is Apple. When Steve Jobs started Apple, companies at that time were hiring, hey, can you solder chips on a board? Are you an electrical engineer? And can you program an assembly language? Steve hired artists, calligraphers. He hired the most amazing, diverse talent there. And the, and the, the DNA of the company became to think differently. So when you start to adopt that principle, then you begin to mm -hmm. really expand and start to connect with your true self. And then how does that manifest itself? Because the one thing that is truly fixed in life is time. You smash your car, you can get a new car, take it to the auto body shop, you rip your jeans, you can just sell it, or maybe having ripped jeans is really cool. You can never get time back. It's gone. So you start to right. think about that concept. Am I investing my time? It's all about subtraction. How do I simplify my life and focus on the things that really matter at the end of the day? And a famous Indian guru, Oso, who's a prolific writer, wrote a book on fear. And the one takeaway from that was if you go online and Google what people regret most in, uh, on, their, on their deathbed, it's like, ah, they have all these regrets. I should have did this. I should have did that. And the magic of when you have that time in your life, when you transition with mm -hmm. no regrets, and the way you do that is by living over your skis as much as possible and thinking about future generations to come. Living over your, say that again, living? Li living, living over your skis. How do you, mm -hmm. are you stretching yourself? That's like the me of working yeah. at Tesla. You're over your skis constantly. Like you're, you're never on the inside of your skis. And like, how do you bring more right. of that into your life? Whether it could be the most <laughs> mundane things, like I want to learn how to play guitar, I'm going to start doing some illustration or study. Like then the world starts to open up to you. You start to reprogram your mind. And whether it manifests itself into becoming an entrepreneur, getting a side business, and all this freedom, you take it back. And then you go through an entire rebirth. And like that's what I'm going to talk about when I'm down there in Orange County. So I'm super stoked. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to wrap oh, it up I'm there. I, I just want to thank uh, Toby Corey for coming in today to Driven by Design. And how do people reach you? Let's let's give a plug first to the uh, it's the TEDx IVC for Irvine Valley College. It's going to be March 6th uh, in Santa Ana, actually. We've got a special place for it over there. And uh, you can go on the TED.com for TED Talks and look up the TEDxIVC and hear more of this on March 6th coming up. So how do people reach you if they want to uh, connect or learn more about this? Are you open to uh, sharing more ideas here? Absolutely. I love to share ideas because, one, I get to deliver some wisdom and I get to acquire a bunch of wisdom. So the best way is T, on uh, letter T, Corey, C-O-R-E-Y. So it's T Corey at Stanford.edu. T. Corey at Stanford.edu. All right. And Brian, how do they reach you if they want to learn more about uh, Drive? Yeah. This show is always uh, featured on my all, my all my social media platforms, which is just my name, Brian, with a Y, S. Thompson, on Instagram, Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. Platforms have a lot of links to this. And wherever and fine podcasts are found our, here. Yeah. Our podcast <laughs> is now on Apple iTunes. Yes. We are very excited. We are growing very quickly. 
Toby, this has really been an honor to have you on. I feel like we've just started the tip of an amazing conversation, so maybe we can have you back in the future. And, and uh, I really hope people will come out and see your talk. I certainly am going to. So uh, thank you very much. Yeah, no, I would love to. This has been an amazing time. You guys have been such um, amazing hosts and talent, and I can feel your energy from here, and I would be honored to come back anytime. All right, super. All right, we'll look forward to it. We're going to hold you to that. Toby Corey right here on Driven by Design.